Now we're in the flow of the kingdom of God. I have a couple warm-up questions for you. Uh, here's one. I was thinking about this phrase this week. You've heard the phrase. It, it, it was popular a while back in, in christian circles. Have you heard this phrase? Let go and let God. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah. What do you think of that phrase? Bumper sticker worthy? Let, let go and let God. Just turn to somebody and, and say, just let go and let God. See how it feels. Does, does it work? I mean, is it you? I, no, it doesn't work. It works, works, works for Leon, does not, does not work so much for Laura. You gotta, there's a personality thing at work here. How many are you like, yeah, man, let go and let God, you know, just chill. How many of you are like, nah, doesn't work. I need a little more understanding. How many of you are here? I'm just checking because uh, I feel like I've worn out my welcome with you already. How good are you at letting go and letting God? Scale of one to 10. 10. 10. Five. Shout out your answer on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, so we average about six uh, is what my math gets me. All right, warm up question number two. What blows your mind? What blows your mind? When's the last time you had your mind blown? Anybody? Anybody have a, have a recent mind-blowing experience? Anybody has one? Anyone? Yeah, a few of us? Yeah, what blows your mind generally? Shout out some answers. Healing, supernatural healing. What else? Worship. Worship. Good one. God's revelation. Some sort of understanding, supernatural. You guys are so spiritual. I'm so proud of this congregation. All these spiritual answers. Children. Yeah, children blow your mind. They're always a frontier experience. What was this? The beauty of the land we're standing on. Nature. You get that a lot, right? Uh, if, you, if, you, if you tune the question a certain way and you say... Where do you feel close to God? What, it, what does everyone say? Nature. It says nature. Yeah, be out in, particularly on these islands. I mean, it's really easy. Um, what is that feeling when you have your mind blown? When you're just blown away by something? What, what is that feeling? You know, what, what goes into it? Awe. Yeah. Awe. Well, what is awe? It's so curious to try and define it, right? What is it? How do you unpack it? Not being able to comprehend, right? It, it's mind stretching, right? It's like, I can't quite understand it all, but I like it. <laughs> or something like that. Is that fair? There's some surprise, there's some joy, there's some gratitude, but there's some sort of like, I can't quite get my head around it all. And you know what? I'm kind of cool with that. I'm just going to give it some of what it's due. And, and we call that, well, we call it awe. That's a great word. Say our mind is, is blown. Or, or we call it wonder, maybe. Um, for me, uh, I'm, one of, I mean, I'm one of those uh, nature people. When I think about that experience of awe, or kind of mind expansion. Um, I think about nature a lot. I love to be outdoors, love to be on the water. I've had these ocean experiences. 
Um, I'm, I love to sail, uh, spent a lot of my life sailing back in the day, uh, not so much uh, recently. And I uh, had some glorious sails with my father uh, off of California during uh, the migratory season for the whales. You know, I've been on little boats in the middle of, yeah, you guys have had this a thousand times, right? Like in, in pods of like 50 gray whales, each of them just like bigger than the boat, swimming up and looking at you and you can kind of hear them and, and stuff like that. I was out there one day where that was going on and then a large pod of about 700 dolphins by my reckoning came right through and just sort of out in the middle of, of everything. And um, I just love those experiences. I think a lot of people have those experiences on the ocean because when humans are on the ocean, it's a little bit of a foreign environment for us anyway, as we're not you know, born out there on the water. That's not how we're raised. So it feels a little otherworldly, but not. It feels like I knew this stuff happened, but now it's realer than real to me, you know? I appreciate it. I think it makes me feel small, which I like. You get that feeling? Do you like it when you feel small when you're out there? Because there's something in that that's satisfying to me. I have spiritual experiences that have worked the same way in a time when the Holy Spirit has come upon me and I've gotten some impression of the Lord's power, the Lord's magnitude, had out-of-body experiences with, the God, with God, well, at least one of them that was incredibly profound. And I, among the, the other feelings that I walk away with, I walk away with the feeling of just being very small, small but not insignificant, small but well-placed, you know? And, and that satisfies something in, in me. Um, I want to worship. There's just something at, at the core of me, I think at the core of all of us, if I may be so bold, that really wants to worship something greater, something that is truly magnificent in the literal sense of that word. And when we have that sort of experience, um, we like it. Right? It expands us. We can sort of check our understanding into suspension and just experience it. Maybe our understanding will catch up later. Maybe it won't. Maybe we don't want it to. Maybe we just want to let it be mystical. We want to let it be sublime. We want to let it be subliminal, just sort of like transcending understanding. And we like that. Am, am I hitting you? Do, do you feel it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Just like snap your fingers if you are. Give me some feedback here, y'all. Um, I uh, spent a, a chunk of my life in California. Um, one of the most beautiful places in California in the world is Yosemite Valley. Everyone, anyone been there? Big granite cliffs, you know, it's just, just nothing quite like it. And I've hiked there um, uh, a fair bit. And one thing I noticed uh, when I was in college once, uh, hiking there, I was hiking up on one of the big granite faces, and you're thousands of feet above the valley floor, and it's just open air above you. And I happened to be with a few other hikers um, um, who were not of, of my party, and we got up to the top, and we were standing out over this, you know, this granite face, and, and people were chatting, people were talking. This was before iPhones, so there was not a lot of that nonsense going on. People were just kind of experiencing and watching. And one thing I noticed that day that I realized, oh, this always happens, is that when people are in that sort of magnificence, that grand a space, they always whisper. They're always whispering there, which is silly, 
right? Because there's no one around for miles, right? So, you know, you could shout, everybody, when they get into such largeness, there's something about it that makes them very small. Have you ever noticed this? Like, there's a reverence that comes upon them. I think because they feel small in a way that they want to honor. They want to, like, the only one who wouldn't do that is, like, my wife would hike up there. She would sing. She would shout, and she would be all Sonia. But she's the exception that proves the rule because that's how she shows reference. Uh, that's how she appreciates magnitude. I don't know about you. It's a long-winded way to say this. I don't know about you, but I want the story to be bigger than me. I like the feeling of when things are just a little beyond me. Because when they're a little beyond me, I can relax. I feel at peace because there's clearly no way I can be in control. Right? There's clearly no way that I'm on top of this. And it reassures me that I'm just a passenger on the journey. I got my part to do. I am Mr. Try. But I like that feeling. And there's something about that feeling that is wrapped up in worship. I want to worship. It fulfills something in me that is healthy, an ability to let go and let God. And it's the only time I ever really feel that well. And it's like, mind blown, do your thing, Lord. I'm good. I'll catch up with you when I can. Just bring me along with you. Just like shout amen or chihu or something if, this, if, if you're kind of getting it. Yeah, I don't know if you're kind of getting it. It's hard to talk about these things with technical precision. Uh, we have a Christmas story to share today. It's in the back of your program. It's going to be up on the big screen. You can follow along in your Bible. In part, we read this story last week as well because, I mean, come on, it's Christmas. There's only one story. Uh, but we're going to focus on a different part of it last week. This is the Advent season. Uh, traditionally, uh, every Advent candle represents something different. Depends on what liturgy you use. This year, we're using the liturgy of different people in the story. The first, the first week of Advent, the candle belongs to the prophets. Uh, so we did a, a passage from the prophetic books of the Scripture that talked about the coming Christ. Uh, the second uh, week of Advent, the second candle, uh, belongs to the angels. We talked about the role of the angels in announcing the Christmas story and what was going on for them last week in the sermon. And the third week, the candle belongs to the shepherds, uh, to whom the angels appeared, as it turned out. So we're going to talk about the shepherd's role in the Christmas story uh, this morning. And I'll just kind of read the passage. Very familiar to anyone, even if you're not a, uh, a regular attender at a church or something. Um, because, you know, it's right at the heart of the Christmas story. Also familiar to you because, like I say, we read a portion of it last week. So here it goes from Luke 2, verses 8 through 21. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Why? Well, because it was... Shepherds did that when it was lambing season, you know, and then they'd have to be out in the fields at night with their sheep to protect the newborn lambs and stuff like that. Um, the sheep had to be out in the field so that they could give birth uh, naturally. I hate to break your heart, but this means that Christmas probably happened in spring. Yeah, not, not in winter, not in December, but there you go. Ah. Uh, I know, I'm a killjoy, but, but it's still a good story. So they're out there hanging out. The sheep are giving birth. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were 
terrified, which is a super strong emotion. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, most oft-repeated command in all of Scripture. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord, the promised one, the guy you've been waiting for. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. That's a heck of a sign. Hey, he's been born. Uh, this is going to be how you know it's him. He's going to be wrapped up in rags and lying in a, in a, in a food dish for animals. He's going to be lying in the dog's dish. It's like, well, that's an interesting sign for the promised Messiah, but there you go. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Um, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. We talk about how interesting this was last week. It's a heavenly host. It's not a choir of angels. It's a host of angels, and host was a, a military term. So this was like a troop of angelic soldiers singing about peace. Soldiers have a unique view on peace, don't they? Uh, they, they like it in a, in a peculiar sort of way. You know, and, and if you spend a lot of time fighting, you appreciate peace. These angels are just stoked. There's some peace going down. They're happy about it. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The angels mentioned the city of David. That was a nickname for Bethlehem. So they're like, look, forget these sheep. Let's go to town and let's see if we can find this sign uh, that they were talking about. And I don't even know how, how, they, how they pulled it off, how they pursued this. They just walked down Main Street of town and said, who has a food dish in a barn? You know, but they, they figured it out. Uh, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, lying in the trough. Um, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. The angels were right. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child by custom, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So again, very familiar passage. We're just going to focus on the role of the shepherds today. Uh, and that was a, an epic night for the shepherds. You're there, you're just helping sheep give birth to lambs. And this angel appears, and the glory of the Lord shines around you. Not really sure what that is. I'm seeing some sort of Hollywood special effect light sort of thing. But it must have been very impressive. Indeed, it terrified them. Um, the angel says, oh, no, chill out. Um, this, is, this is a happy visit. You know, uh, your knees might be quaking, but I want your fists to be pumping. He's born, you know, the one that you've heard about, the Messiah. He's born. And you can go check this out. I've got uh, locational info for you and stuff like that. And then a big troop of angels come and they start singing, they start celebrating. I just, I don't know, I meditate on that every year and I can't quite get my head around what that must have looked like. It must have been mind-blowing. 
right? I mean, what would you do? It was just an epic night uh, for the shepherds. And then the air clears, you know, and I imagine like one cricket chirping. It's like, what just happened? You know, what was that? So they huddle uh, and they say, well, let's go check it out. I mean, we've got to check this out, right? What would you do? Like, well, yeah, you'd, you'd punch out of work and, and you'd go check it out. So they go to Bethlehem and they find Jesus, this kid, this obviously poor kid. He's in a barn. He's wrapped up in, in, in rags is literally what the word means. And, and, um, and lying in a, in, in a trough, you know, a feeding trough, which, is, which was unusual even in those days, would consider it unhygienic even in those days. So just a bizarre scene, but bizarre enough so that they know the angels were not random, that they had actually made an accurate prediction. They see it. And then, and then their first reaction afterwards is to just tell everybody. And, and what was the story? How would they do that? You know, where would they go? You know, it's evening, presumably. They just run shouting through the streets, I guess, saying, hey, angels. I mean, you can imagine how people receive their news uh, and shook their heads and maybe made a journey to, uh, to the shed. It wouldn't have been more than a shed uh, to see the food dish where this kid was lying and, and, you know, what would they say to the parents? And it just, the, the whole thing would have been bizarre from start to finish. It wouldn't have felt clean you know, I think it would have felt sort of eerie. I don't know. I, I, like I say, I meditate on it every year. And, and the best phrase I can come up with is probably something like mind-blowing. You know, it's like, if, if this is real in the way that I suspect it might be real, it just kind of stretches my, my mind. Like, I have, to, I have to check out my understanding a little bit just to kind of get my head around what I'm seeing. A lot of energy there that night. I mean, a lot of energy. And then there's this great line about Mary. Like, there's just all this hubbub, right? All this, all these comments and all of these experiences. And then it says, but Mary had a different reaction, you know. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. If you read scholarly commentaries on this, they will debate about what that word pondered means. What does it mean to ponder in her heart? It's, a, it's one of those phrases that doesn't get used a lot in very ancient Greek, so they're not really sure. But, but she's having some sort of powerful, internal, reflective, emotional, meditative experience. I think her mind is blown, and I think she's like, uh, I don't quite know what to make of all of this. I mean, I... I was told the kid is special. This is not how I saw it unfolding, to be perfectly honest. But I'm just going to take it all in for now. Processing will have to happen later. Maybe it will come out in a song, as it did uh, for Jesse, this crazy adventure ride. Indeed, it does come out uh, of Mary in song, at least in some of the Gospels. We have that song uh, Part of it recorded in Scripture, but that's another story. She treasures them. She ponders them in her heart. She just sort of like, well, I feel, I feel like something magnific magnificent is going on, and I feel like I'm just a small passenger in it. 
I'm cool with that right now. I'm cool with that right now, which seems to, to be Mary's spirit throughout the entire adventure story. And then the shepherds returned. I mean, at a certain point, they're like, yeah, well, let's go back to work, guys. You know, lunchtime is over. So they head back to the field, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. You know, they're just kind of worshiping as they go because worship is the only proper response to something that is mind-blowing. You just, you just got to worship. I mean, you just got to bow your head or lift your hands or do something and be like, that is freaking awesome. That is awesome. Um, what did the shepherds take away from the experience? is a question I have. What happened? At the end of the night, what happened? Think about it a second. How has their life changed? How would your life have changed if you were party to that strange evening? What would your response have been? What, what, your, what was your takeaway? What would have been your takeaway? In that situation. And I like it that I don't know exactly uh, what their takeaway was. It makes it a wonderful human story. At the end of the night, it's not like they had an operational Messiah, right? I mean, what they had was kind of like, you know, the beta version. It's like some little kid who had a lot of promise on his life. But, you know, what did that promise get him at that point? He's He's an impoverished kid lying in a feeding trough in a shed. Okay, that's not an impressive start to the story. You know, there's a, obviously a lot that has to happen before this kid becomes the Messiah. That's what you're thinking. But, man, something's going on. You know, God is involved here. I've never seen a heavenly host before. Something is brewing here. I think the, the real thing that they walk away with, the, the bundle of experience they have, the meaningful thing that they have is probably just this sense of wonder. It's just this sense of awe. It's this willingness to just have their mind blown. That's, that's all they got at this point. At this point, that's all they have. And at this point, that's what Mary has. And somehow that's enough to take them forward. What does, what does wonder get you? The sense of awe. What does that get you in life? When you say, hmm, I wonder about that, these days usually it means, well, I'm confused about that, or hmm, I find that very interesting, very intriguing. But the, the word wonder literally means I'm amazed. It's miraculous, right? It's a wonder. It's like this is something that I cannot explain. Uh, and therefore, I won't try. You know, wonder is changing without being able to explain it exactly. And if you're going to contain wonder, you're kind of making a deal with yourself to change. I'm going to have to change somehow to contain that experience that I just had. I can't tell you exactly, but I'm willing. I'm willing. And your sense of wonder, your sense of, of worship, your sense of awe is you saying to the universe, well, I'm willing to grow if I have to because that's awesome. Do you, you think that's true? 
And I think that that's really what the guys on Christmas Eve had. They were kind of saying, I don't get it, but I'm willing. I'm on board because this is freaking awesome. Have I explained it well? Have you ever had that experience with God? Those of you who are veterans, like, I don't get it, but I'm on board. I'm on board. There's something about that that I think is the heart of worship. You know, it's like if you don't let God be beyond your understanding, if you don't want God to be beyond your understanding, if you don't want the God story to be bigger than your story, you know, if you don't want God to be bigger than you, then you, you don't get it. If you lack that capacity to just let go and let God, then you don't get it. You're, you're bad at worship. I'll tell you that right now. God loves you. You know, he accepts you. We like you. But you're bad at worship. And that's limiting. That will limit you in life. What it will do is stunt your growth, right? Because you're not willing to just let go to move on to the next thing. Have you ever taught a little kid to swim? Anyway, so there's this universal thing where you teach kids uh, to swim. Kids are either in the shallows or they're holding on to the edge of the pool. And what do you do? What do you do? Well, you go a little deeper, right? You go a little further away and you say, come on, come on, right? This is universal. You see this everywhere where they're little kids. And the kid has a choice. What is the kid's choice? They have to let go and go for it across the unknown, right? And, and what do you say? Well, if you're a dad, say, no, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I'm right here. Trust it. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. My, my first uh, memory of uh, swimming was when I was about somewhere around two, maybe a little earlier than two, uh, which tells you it was an impressive memory because I still remember this. Um, and we were at an apartment complex of a friend of my grandmother's, of Nana's. She overslept today, she's not here. Um, and, and this is my memory. I'm seeing people swim. Uh, my dad is there, my grandmother's there, this friend is there, and so I'm just in. I walk up to the edge of the pool and I throw myself into the water. Which is a great statement for the rest of my life. Let me just say that right now. And the most poignant part of the memory for me is like, like, I don't know, I had exhaled or something. I am underwater. Like, I'm on the bottom looking up, and I remember the water above me, and I remember just like this thought through my head, that doesn't look right. <laughs> you know, like, I barely had language, but there was something like that going in my head. And then I see a blurry, wavy image of my dad lean over the edge and, you know, his torso down in the water, and he grabbed me and he pulled me out, and that's my memory. I just felt like sharing that story. Nothing at all to do with the sermon, but... But I remember it, you know, and what I remember is like in this foreign environment, in this new experience, somehow, you know, dad was there for me and it was okay. I don't ever, I don't think I was scared in the midst of it, but because, you know, I felt like, well, there's bigger people than me around. I guess I'll be fine, you know, and, and that's worship, right? Well, there's a, there's a bigger God than me around, so I, I guess it'll work out. I'll just, I don't know, I'll just jump. I'll just jump. I'll just, you know, I'll just, I'll just be blown away. Um, and, and that, to me, is, is, is the spirit of, of worship. Are you willing to let go? And are you willing to exercise that every once in a while? And really, the Christmas story invites us to do that. 
we work hard as a people to make Christmas wonderful, to make it full of wonder. We do that as a culture. Even, you know, non-believers do this, at least, you know, all those Hallmark movies that won't go away. And, you know, there's always big Christmas movies in the theater, about Christmas, I mean. And all of our Christmas customs and the gift giving and the, and the manger scenes and, and, the, and, and the neighborhoods that decorate their houses, everybody is in pursuit of a wow experience at Christmas. Why? Why? Because we have realized somewhere deep in our gut that that's appropriate to the Christmas story, that what we are supposed to do is kind of have this wow experience. And so we're doing it the best we can, right? We're doing it with decoration and, and uh, songs with epic lyrics. And, you know, we're always trying to get, you know, the right gift if we can to kind of blow somebody away when they unwrap it, all of these things. We particularly want Christmas to be wonderful for children because we understand that there's something about that that's really important, that, that it's, it's, a, it's a time where worship should be born. Even if we have a very pale humanistic understanding of what worship should be, insert Hallmark movie, we still understand that there's something about it that is supposed to be mystical and mind-blowing and worshipful, and that's healthy for us, that that gets us to a higher plane of life somewhere. It's kind of the role of the shepherds in the story. You know, they're there to be blown away. They're just needed to be a witness, you know. Not a special group of people. They're just working-class stiffs pulling the graveyard shift, you know. But they needed to be in the story so that we don't miss it, so that we don't fail to uh, appreciate it. Sometimes when I see manger scenes, you know, I meditate on it, and I, and I superimpose in my mind on those scenes a feeling that I've sometimes gotten when I'm out in the middle of the ocean and nature just rises up to blow me away, or I'm, while I'm standing on the cliff base in, in Yosemite, and, and even, even the other people, you know, refuse to speak, not just me. Um, and, 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 and I kind of remember how that feels. I mean, I don't get it, and I can't really describe it to you outside of maybe trying to write a poem or something, but, but I remember that sense, and I superimpose it on the manger, and then I think, okay, I'm starting, I'm starting to feel it right, I think. This is, this is what it was like. This was realer than real, but strange and, and expanding. And don't you want that? I mean, don't you pray for expansion in your life? Don't you pray for that? Don't you want to be blown away? Really? I mean, seriously, don't you want to be blown away by God? Don't you want to be? You might be here as a seeker. You don't go to church normally. You don't even know what you feel about God. But answer me honestly. Don't you want to be blown away by God, by something higher and something mystical? Don't you want to be? Well, the problem is you've got to let go of the edge sometimes, right? You have to be willing to have your mind blown. You have to, let's say it together, let go and let God. And we worship because that's how you exercise that capacity. That's how you exercise that muscle, right? We come and we sing songs. Why do we sing songs on Sunday morning? Well, because music is a great communal language, right? Uh, because of the beat and the melody, we can all say the same thing in the same spirit at the same time, 
you know, so it's very unifying and, and music is about the only language uh, that does that universally and easily and, and we put, you know, lyrics in the song that suggest mind-blowing experiences and you got to want that, right, because you want to exercise that muscle, you want to exercise that capacity, that's like meditating on the manger scene or something like that, you want to exercise that capacity because if you don't, well, your muscles remain atrophied. You're a bad worshiper. And that makes you a limited person. That means that God can only do so much with you because he's limited to your little understanding and your tiny little emotional range and, you know, your desire to be in control and on top of things all the time. You don't want that kind of a God. You might be that kind of a person, but you don't want that kind of a God experience. And so I'm encouraging you to work hard at worship. And Christmas is just the time to do that, is it not? Right? Because everybody realizes that Christmas should be a wow experience. Everybody realizes that Christmas should be filled with worship. I think of this uh, experience that I had once in college. Last story. Um, and I was going through, uh, it was a tough transition for me, um, going to the big city to go to school, and, and uh, I didn't have quite enough money to pull it off, and, you know, things were challenging materially, challenging emotionally and relationally for me. I was a very awkward guy, and just wasn't, wasn't feeling happy. So I was in, uh, I was in my dorm room uh, one afternoon, and everybody was gone, and the place was quiet, and I just started praying, and, and I was just, you know, meditating on... on just the hand of God in my life, I think is the best way that I could describe it. I was just focused on that. And just the Holy Spirit kind of came into the room, not really strongly, but just like, yeah, you know, I feel like, I feel like God is here. And, and there was this moment, it's hard to articulate, but I will never forget it, where I was just suddenly blown away by the magnitude of God. I just, I just kind of had this expression, this vis visceral experience of God being bigger than the universe itself, you know. And it's like my brain just kind of expanded with an appreciation of vast size and space. I, I, don't, really, I don't really know how to put it. But uh, I, what came out of my mouth for about 30 minutes straight was like, man, God, you're just, you're just so huge. You're just so big. Everything is just so big. And I just kept saying that over and over again out loud for 30 minutes. It was kind of pathetic but it was really freeing. And I remember that experience because although I can't articulate it very well, it obviously changed me and it stuck with me, but I also appreciate it because that was God's answer to me in a troubled time. You know, I was asking God for help and God said, oh sure, I'll help you. I will give you a worshipful experience. I will give you an experience of your mind being stretched a little bit. I'm not going to solve any problems for you today. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a sense that maybe I'm bigger than your life. Maybe I'm bigger than your problems. That a hand that could hold the universe might be trustworthy. But the first thing you need to appreciate is that my hand is big enough to hold the universe. The first thing you need to be able to do, young man, is to be blown away. Are you able to be blown away? 
Now, God is mind-blowing. I'm not asking about that. I'm asking, are you, are you able to be blown away? Or, you know, is your spirit just a little too narrow, a little too rigid, a little too atrophied to pull it off? Have you practiced worship? Or, well, I mean, let me just say it, are you too cool for school? You know, is it just something that you don't really value in your life? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, you know, some, some of you are clearly way more gifted at it than I am because, you know, when it comes to like range of expression and sort of emotional flexibility and stuff like that, where do I rank on the list, those of you who know me? You wouldn't put me at the top, would you? I mean, like mid-range at best if you're being kind. I'm a little bit of a button-down person normally. If, if I really need to worship, God is like, man, I just, I just have to worship. You know what I do? I just get on my face. I just, and I just quiet on my face for 20 minutes on the carpet. I don't have to say anything. See, that suits me. <laughs> That's good. It's just like total surrender, bow down. If Sonia needs to worship God for a while, what does she do? Yeah, the word is loud. Like, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever precedes it, loudly follows it uh, where my wife is concerned. Is, you know, she's just great at that. Every morning she stands in the back. The whole congregation can hear her, even though, you know, they're amplified and she's not. Um, but she's just freer uh, in her spirit generally uh, than I am, right? Um, so what I'm saying is, like, you know, some of us come from behind on this one. Uh, but are you willing to be blown away, you know? I think that's just a wonderful Christmas meditation. Are you willing to be blown away by a kid in a food dish? Is that enough? Is that enough? You know, a few of you might get an angelic troop singing to you, but most of us will just hear about it. You know, we'll hear the story from a messenger, a grimy, shepherdly messenger that probably is a little bit dubious, not the best messenger in the world. You know, and the story is unlikely. But don't you kind of want to be blown away by it? You know, have you practiced being blown away by it? I think I've pushed the point well enough. Are you feeling it? Do you get it? What do you think? Where are you on that scale? Are you blow awayable? Are you filled with wonder? You can't just snap your fingers. You have to practice a little bit. You have to practice. Yeah. Even guys like me. We got to practice every once in a while. Don't you love uh, Jesse's Advent sharing? You know? If you caught it, I don't know if it's going to be on the podcast, but, um, you know, he's like, wow, my life has been like the Tower of Terror. It's had all these lurching drops in it and these climbs and more lurching drops. And it's been like a, a, a really nasty roller coaster. And I, I love the story because his response was to make worship music to the Lord. You know, it's like, well, there's a kid that gets it. You know, just parenthetically. You just want a good anchoring conversation. Just talk to Jesse sometime. That's just a tip from me to you. You know, um, there's a, a deep and wise soul. Um, but I, lo I love that sharing. I love the Advent sharing generally because it's an embrace of an adventure. You know, it's like 
I'm willing to have God make of my life something that I would not have particularly chosen, but which is awesome, filled with awe. And God bless you that your life might be like that as well. God bless you that your life might be mind-blowing, which means it's going to be freaky and uncomfortable and lurchy. Sorry. But are you in? Anybody that follows this kind of Messiah has got to be in on that, right? Got to be willing to be a little lurchy from time to time. Father God, I pray uh, for the presence of your spirit to work that into our soul. I mean, Christmas is such a great time for that. Because deep down, we all want it. We all want a God that's bigger. We all want a God that is awesome. And we want a life that is filled with wonder. And sometimes that's going to take us to a shed instead of a palace. So be it. I pray, Father, that you would fill hearts with wonder this Christmas. I pray that our Christmas celebration would be renewed with worship. That you would grasp us in moments of meditation. That we would impose on the manger, the manger scene, just the spirit of that night. The expansive spirit of the Messiah born. In the name of Jesus, I bless your minds to be flexible. Uh, I bless your willingness to let go and let God, no matter what's against you, no matter what is for you, no matter what your experience has been up till now, I charge you as your brother in the Lord to practice being blown away, to go through the motions of being amazed so that your spirit will be flexible enough when the time comes. I encourage you in Jesus' name to incline your hearts to worship. Come Holy Spirit and converse with these people.